All right, so warning, spoilers here for our listeners. But guys, I have revised my list of just most god-awful dads in animation so far. And I think we have a new number one. So let, let me give you my top three here. So third is uh, Jerry from Rick and Morty. Because the only way I could describe this man is one word, flaccid. The second would be Gene Freaks from Hunter Hunter. If you guys have seen it, he leaves his child alone to fight against pedophilia clowns. And that that's all you need to know. The context doesn't wow. matter. Number one is got to be Omni-Man. Justice, you've seen Invincible. Where do you think he falls under the just awful dad list? He's probably worse than Darth Vader, um, if I'm going to be honest. The high bar. Uh, awful. Yeah. Yeah, he's a... He's an awful human being. You know, he could be worse. He could have, you know, tried killing his wife, but he uh, he didn't do that, so. <laughs> no. He he just said that she's a pet, which, as a married man, I agree with. You're going to get in so much trouble <laughs> saying that. But, but you're not wrong, though, right? Like, you're not wrong. Because, like... Oh, no, I am wrong because it's not that she's my pet. It's more so she is my servant, you know, because a dog doesn't serve you and make you a sandwich in the kitchen. Okay, so you and I were on totally different tracks there because I was thinking of that in the context of, like, wives have to train us. And I I don't mean Mm. that in, like, a beta fashion. Oh, my God, did I just say beta? Okay, no. I don't mean that as in like a subs- I just said flaccid a second ago, so I mean we're <laughs> oh, on good no, terms. I, I can't stand it when people use the term like beta male. Uh, uh. But I mean like a in a ter- like a subservient manner, right? So like our wives have to like beat all of the stupid behaviors out of us that we keep getting like locked in, and they have to make us into like help mold us into functioning human beings. That's the con the the context I was thinking of, but you took it in a like an interesting direction. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> Well, I'm obviously a sarcastic <laughs> asshole because I currently have braided hair that I had my wife braid just because it would make her happy. Dude, so I'm clearly full of shit when I say dude, that. you look fabulous. Don't let anyone tell you different. You're thank you, radiant thank you. right now. Slay. <laughs> I wanted to be a Viking, but I ended up looking a little bit more Padawan. But I take that as a compliment Viking more than anything else. Viking Padawan. Yeah. You're a Viking yeah. in training. And to everyone, this is Kev from Force Losers, part of the Red 5 Network. Yeah. Welcome, Kev. Uh, you guys are yes. going to regret um. this. <laughs> <laughs> and we are Podwars, so thank you guys for joining us. Um, we want to give a thank you again to Chris Lepps for joining us in our last episode for talking some Mandalorian. It was an awesome time. If you guys haven't listened to it, go back, check it out. He did some stuntman work for it, and today is more of a hanging out and talking about the newest updates in geeky media yeah yeah just a chill episode you know um but also if you are looking for a really great show to watch invincible's where where it's at it's got that like adult it's um one of the things i keep on hearing that it's being praised for it's like one of those first adult shows that's animated that's like a long it's like like 20 minutes it's got like a good you know 40 minute episode so it's got like a long animation and it's just it is beautiful. The voice cast is amazing. Mark Hamill's in it. Um, and the a- uh, animation's beautiful. And the just the story, I think, is bonkers. Man, I'm going to have to check that out. Because, you know, my, my history with adult animation uh, goes back to the HBO series Spawn. Um, that mm. was huge for me. I mean, I didn't have HBO, 
but my friend did. So it was like, oh man, it's it's Saturday night. I'm gonna like just crash here, and it was like my way of shoehorning in uh, to catch an episode of Spawn, because it was it was like literally like the comic came to life, and it's intense. It's intense. I mean, any well, anything you get Keith David involved in is intense. He made Gargoyles intense. If you guys remember that cartoon, um, so good. Yeah, dude, Gargoyles, awesome. Anyway, tangent. Woo. <laughs> but it, it definitely has the spawn kind of vibes with that intensity, mm-hmm. but like still has that Peter Parker type innocence too, where you're I like, the first wow, episode. I, de- I genuinely care about this guy's like teen drama. But then afterwards you get this gruesome murder. <laughs> okay. So it's a nice balance between that, like golden age comics feel. And then just more of the, walking dead style homage of its writer right, on. right it's it's kind of like um we've we've been so saturated with superhero content and i feel like we kind of bring this up a lot but it, um robert kirkman was kind of like how do we up the ante and there are definitely scenes where i'm like oh my gosh that's really gross but amazing yeah like the train scene in the last episode gary you know what i'm talking about the train scene got me <laughs> i was i sat there and i was like oh my god i just watched that like ugh. like gross <laughs> yeah but like dude like um metalocalypse on adult swim had that kind of element yes. to it they had these like gory stuff that was like wow that was really over the top but then again it's a show about a metal band so it tracks you know <laughs> it it's kind of got that same feel like at least from what i'm gathering right yeah, and and it's you know the you're gonna watch the first episode, and the reason we're kind of been you know not maybe talking as much because I want people to experience the show first because um, there's a huge twist in the first episode. Mm. So you you know, watch the first forty minutes, and then you're like, what the actual hell? And it, and then you just gotta watch more. That's it. That's that's like, like the best I can explain. I it. mean, I will take your recommendation, sir. I will take it um, because the way you describe like the innocence. And the gore, it just makes me think of King Shark from Harley Quinn. Yes. You know, and that's Thank you. Like easily one of my favorite animated <laughs> characters of all time. And I love that show. I've been binging it. Like, guys, if you want a Deadpool show, but DC, yeah. watch Harley Quinn. It, it is phenomenal. Dude, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's so perfectly executed because it's it's the thing you didn't know you wanted until you watch it. And you're like, oh no, no, I want more of this. Um like the episode I just saw today was literally before, like it's like two guys sitting on the couch. I don't know if you saw how far you've gotten Kevin. Oh, I finished like, both but, uh, seasons where <laughs> there's like a fat white guy and then like a fat oh, like, yes. black guy sitting on a couch and the white guy's got a shirt that says release yes. the Snyder cut. And the black guy's got a shirt that says, uh, TLJ isn't. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and, and then, and, uh, the one guy's like, yo, we should watch the Harley Quinn episode. And he's like, no, man, it's just some feminist propaganda bullshit that we're not going to watch and they just want to shove you know, this down our throats, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, well, why don't we just read what the thing is about this episode? And it's like, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are not in this episode. Batman takes over the city. And the guy's like, damn it, I guess we'll watch. <laughs> Do it. I remember that scene and it's, like the accuracy. Anybody who spends as much time on the social medias as like you and I do, Justice, the accuracy. Because it's like those, oh, yeah. it's like the Twitter personalities that you catch in your thread come to life. And it's like, oh, dude, it's kind of funny when you see it from that angle. You're like, oh, this is like absurd. This is just absurd on its face. Like it's it's a weird little absurd reality we've created. Interesting. Yes, it is. And 
Um, I like that they are able to uh, make fun of it and also still make it enjoyable. Exactly. Well, as someone who is only knows Harley Quinn from the Suicide Squad movie that was fairly meh except for her character's portrayal by Margot Robbie, and then the Harley Quinn from the Batman animated series who is very much a secondary character to the Joker, how is the portrayal of this Harley Quinn compared to those portrayals? Um, well, one, Birds of Prey is a good, is, is yes. a semi-good movie. Yes. So um, I, I would say you should check that one out. Um, it's just mm. not a, it's not a, it's not a team-up movie. So it should have just been the Harley Quinn movie. That's just my own, that's my, like, my one critique Actually, Birds of Prey would be a pretty accurate, pro, like a good primer for the Harley Quinn yeah. uh, series. Yeah. But it's, the first episode is literally her, you know, breaking up with the Joker and just kind of like, I'm going to do my own thing. I want to get a part of the legal doom is that what it is legion of doom yeah in dc legion of doom yeah and that's like her whole thing is just like trying to be this big baddie and this male dominated you know um super villain <laughs> feminist it, agenda it, it, yeah exactly <laughs> it poison <laughs> ivy like it's weird saying like it's we i'm gonna it's really weird saying this but like her like her voice like it's attractive like yeah. I don't know like no the, the, yeah, I get what you're saying a cartoon I know exactly character. what you're saying dude because like, yeah it's it's like weird seeing a cartoon character is attractive but like her voice is just attractive that is I not just gotta, weird like, at all okay one of my first attractions my first <laughs> physical attractions was Jasmine from Aladdin when I was a kid try explaining that one to a kid <laughs> it's an age appropriate attraction when you're watching it first time as an to 11 be year fair, old I was like eight or nine so technically she's in the wrong on that one not me. It's mm. like Anakin Padme kind of thing. Very much so. Very much so. No mm. one talks about that, do they? No. <laughs> how inappropriate that well, was. Well, like Padme heard, "Hey, he's he's nineteen. She's like, "I'll take that as consent." Yes. Okay. Hey, now. <laughs> I, I think I think this is actually something that is not talked about. What is consent on? Is consent different on Coruscant to Naboo to you know to Tatooine? So maybe like to Padme, it was okay. But like on Tatooine, like it's not. I we don't no, know. No. Like no, I mean Lucas and in his infinite wisdom, decl- you know, declined to add that in there. You know, I mean we had an entire subplot dealing with trade routes, but we couldn't even get some basics. You know, some basic social interaction rules via different systems from the guy. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna make a. Tw- Speaking of George Lucas, we are recording on his birthday, so thank the maker. Indeed. Um, Everyone, take a sip of your uh, preferred beverage for the man that is single-handedly keeping the flannel industry afloat. Mm. <laughs> and another sip for all the fanboys out there who obviously could write a better script oh, than him. Duh. Obviously. <laughs> Am I the only one that's actually drinking drinking? No, I have a diet due because um, I party. I have a sparkling water because I'm a beta male. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a Jose Cuervo classic margarita that's got alcohol in it. So okay, here's that. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And well, and and then I have a a Wisconsin Dells honey ale also open too. You are just ready. You are you are in the mood for some shenanigans, aren't you? I am. I am. After I am, my friends coming over after work, and we are going to drink. Oh, good man. Good man. (laughs) I mean, there's only one tilt, and that's full tilt, my friend. <laughs> but coping mechanisms aside here boys um let's let's go on to another superhero show here we just had the falcon and winter soldier mm. finish up mm. um and 
Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of had some mixed thoughts about the ending mm-hmm. of it. There's some parts that I really loved and other parts I didn't find as compelling. What do you guys think of kind of how they ended off the show? It was strong, in my opinion. It was a strong way to yeah. end it. Um, I don't know. When I when I look at Falcon and Winter Soldier and I compare it to the only, the only other property that the MCU has put out that's, that's like that in WandaVision, the... I try to see like, okay, well, is this one have better writing or is this one, man, like the, the level of writing on these two projects so far has been insane. Like you get glimpses, glimpses of stuff like that in the MCU, like, you know, real complex writing, like, you know, the winter soldier, but this show, because I guess because they have so much time to really draw things out and flush things out, you get this like incredibly complex set of storylines out of an MCU that everyone likes to call formulaic and uh, not cinema Um, with this stuff like I mean I was blown away by that personally Falcon and Winter Soldier was like another notch it was like another gear they found yeah I really liked uh, the ending I like Sam's suit Um, hell yeah I think the the hard part that maybe you might agree with me, Gary, is after watching Invincibles alongside with it, some of the action, I was kind of like, all right, all right. But, like, it still yeah. it still was good. Um, the thing, and I was talking to Matt, actually, about this, the guy who was on a couple um, podcasts from there. Um, so I liked Sam's speech, I but the beginning felt forced. But then when, like, it, I felt like there was a point where, like, Anthony Mackie's, like, acting, and then it, like, became real as he was doing the speech, mm-hmm. and that's when I really started to enjoy mm-hmm. it. I don't know if that makes sense or, if, like, you guys are tracking me with me on mm-hmm. that. Um, but, like, it, it, like, felt like in the beginning I was like, oh, this just feels, like, a little forced. But then, like, as he got into it, I was like, and, I like, it really, like, spoke to me, too. And I was like, oh, like, man. like And then and then I just love how Bucky's like, yeah, I was on my phone during that so i didn't miss most of it which is funny because the callback how she was like you have five contacts and you missing all of sam's text messages right. so i just i love that right <laughs> i mean again dude it's just like okay you, you mentioned the costume let's let's all acknowledge um the stones on the mcu right now for phase four to be like like nope nope accurate costumes pull it right from the page go for it mm-hmm. you know his his costume looked exactly like sam wilson captain america and like I don't know, man. I kind of like his costume better than Old Cap's, and I'm a huge Cap fan. Huge Cap fan. Definitely better than Avengers One Cap. Oh, that's gosh, for damn sure. Yes, that costume. Ugh, ugh, ugh. It. I think it's hard to say just because Cap has had so many different suits. Mm-hmm. So like it's, um. But I definitely love this this one suit. Um. I think the. You know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to because of this Falcon and Winter Soldier is that um, because they're introducing Jane Foster, Mm -hmm. hopefully they actually, you know, hook up like they do in the comics. Like, that would be super cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's that. Poor Thor. (laughs) I don't think, I think she's, I think, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's just my opinion. Everyone knows that Thor and Korg are hooking up. Everyone knows. (laughs) That's the only, that's the only thing that makes any sense. Insert hard joke here, yeah, but uh, <laughs> not to be the the downer guy, but so I, I think there's a lot of this series that's really compelling. I found Bucky's storyline incredibly compelling. I found Isaiah, the black Captain America storyline, mm-hmm. incredibly tragic and compelling. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and in this case, it's a, it's a scenario where the main character was the least compelling one to me. You know, right. like after this insanely heartfelt storyline with Isaiah and this incredible storyline with Bucky, even John Walker, you then go to Sam and they're doing like, hey, let's spend 30 minutes fixing up his freaking boat. Yeah. And it just felt like such a downer to me, you know, compared to just the really intense and dramatic storylines of these other characters. You're like, yeah, his boat isn't fixed. It just didn't fly with me as much. Yeah, I mean, I the, the only angle I can guess at is that, you know, with, with John Walker and with Bucky, with a lot of the other characters, they go through these really intense moments of, like, trying to figure out who they are, right? Sam, Sam knows who he is. He just doesn't know if who he is is Captain America. He doesn't know if who he is, like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's... You know, he didn't ha- he didn't change fundamentally as a person throughout this series. He was fundamentally the same person he was at the beginning than he was at the end. It was more about finding the way he fit into the 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 shoes of Captain America. You know, I, I don't know. That's the, that's the interesting thing because you know Bucky has that arc of like you know he's this guy and he was having to reckon with things that he knows he did because he he remembers doing them but he has to try to accept that he had no hand in doing them and how does that how do you wrestle that guilt with that logic and you know i see the other characters as having very um what's the word i'm looking for um they go through more tribulations than sam does i think i think with sam it's more about once he accepts being Captain America, it's him staying true to who he was because that's why that's why Cap gave him the shield. We're also white too, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a very very good point. We should probably acknowledge that our, uh, our understanding of the experience is slightly limited. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I'm not even speaking to that. I mean, more so just Sam's like his family arc. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't as compelling to me. Right. No, because like his arc with him weighing out the injustices with Isaiah, I thought was oh. compelling. But it's like right, they yeah. kind of shoehorned that in in a way where it wasn't the main conflict for him picking up the mantle of right. Cap. Right. You know, at least in my mind, which I think that would have been a far more compelling place to lean into even more. Yeah. No, for sure. And and I also just think that like I was reading an article earlier. It was kind of like saying how. John Walker had a more like he outshined almost on this show than, you know, Sam and some of the other characters did. Yeah. Um, Is that a good thing? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, what's the name of that annoying chick from, uh, the Harry Potter movies, Umbridge or whatnot, how she's just that awful villain where you're just like, you just hate every time she's on screen. He did a fantastic job of being that kind of villain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and speaking of, you know, suits looking exactly like the comics mm-hmm. the most recent i mean you you can google us agent 2 2020 or 2021 or whatever it came out and it looks like he's sitting on a chair and it looks exactly like yeah what is in the show i'm like geez like marvel is killing yeah it. they're just like yeah rip it from the page throw it on the screen i mean scarlet witch looked like scarlet witch it was great even even her like when they did the halloween yeah. episode that was that was so cool too just having absolutely you know, you know and them look it's funny dude because like 
that show, Falcon and Winter Soldier, is full of villains that you absolutely love to hate. Like, they give you so much enjoyment to see them on screen because you're like, that guy's a dick, but damn, he's playing it well. You know? Like, Zemo. Yeah. Like, he's a dick, but it's Daniel Brühl, and he's killing it. You know? So they're like, yeah, give me more Zemo. You know, same with John Walker, but the only issue I have with John Walker is like, you, at the end of it, man, you, he, he's not the hero. Like, he did one good thing. He helped out at the end, but he's, he's not the good guy. You, you don't need to be rooting for that dude. Which I was wondering what you guys think. If they're going to try to make him kind of anti-hero-ish or if they're going to lean into him being the villain. Because at the end, he's kind of framed as a hero oddly yeah. enough you know so his his arc has always been even in the comics a poor man steve mm-hmm. i think i might have mentioned that before but just he goes to do you know the west coast avenger thing and where he helps out like hawkeye and and those people over you know in cali and where it's, it's just kind of like there since there's already a cap we'll just throw you somewhere because you kind of have the same cap things but you're not as cool as cap Mm -hmm. and so i I have a feeling that's what they're gonna do with him but then also that lady was supposed to be like a huge reveal and i think she might be madam hydra and if that's the case then maybe he's gonna be working for villains and he's gonna be a mercenary like he is currently in the comics so who knows i mean you could you could easily if they were to want to do this you could easily do another season of, of captain america and the winter soldier and you know have them working with john walker have them kind of, you know, getting along at first, but then he keeps, like, stepping it up, and he keeps up in the ante and, and, and pushing the envelope. And, you know, yeah, you could have Madam Hydra in there, and then you're off to the races, man. You got a whole new season. You got Hydra back because you cut off one head and whatnot. The the one thing I do want to um, kind of address that I was really bummed about, and I think we might have already maybe talked about this, but the whole power broker thing, mm-hmm. it was such a bad reveal like it, we you should have just revealed the that she was the power broker in the third episode when it was the episode saying power broker and they introduced her as the character. Yeah. Like I just, I I'm I'm not that post scene credit. I don't I don't care. I really don't care that she's the power yeah. broker. Yeah. I mean the okay. So maybe Justice and Gary, you guys maybe you guys can help me with this. Uh, is there significance to Madripoor? Is there a significance? Yes, Madripoor is Big where... Big time with X-Men. Yeah, is where X-Men, like, that's kind of like their... I'm, I'm probably going to say this wrong. I, I just know that Wolverine chills there a ton. Okay. Um, I, I think it's like a hub for all X-Men at one point. Okay. So, you know, it. You know the MCU. They don't throw anything in there for nothing, right? Like, they, they're going to put stuff like that just to just to tease something. It might be a decade down the line, but they're teasing it now. Um, you know maybe maybe the power broker gets involved with mutants whenever they start popping up maybe 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 they're laying some line for that i don't know i'm not smart enough to do anything for the mcu i i can barely write my name let alone connect an entire universe i wish they somehow introduced mr sinister because that'd be really cool like yeah like but, I mean, they definitely have to save him in the tank for a mutant massacre mm-hmm. kind of storyline. Because I feel like that's one of the X-Men storylines that hasn't been really, you know, butchered by Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they only, so they they've only birched two in the back pocket. things, three things, technically. And they did and they did butchered, like, three storylines, and one of them was the same storyline. They just tried twice. Yeah, and... like, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's got to be somebody working at Marvel that's like already working on the X-Men and he's just like 
damn it, Fox ruined Dark Phoenix twice. There's no one's going to tolerate a third swing, you know? Like, cause, dude, the MCU could have rocked that story. I mean, they could have oh, made yeah. it, like, they could have made it, pardon the pun, sore. Um, <laughs> like, it, it, so someone there's got to be angry because, like, oh, man, now we're going to have to figure out something fresh. But there's no shortage I mean, the, of stuff for them to work with. Right, X-Men has so many stories that they get to work with. I'm very excited to see what they do. Um, I just kind of want them to tease something so we at least know that they're, you know, working on it. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hear this rumor stuff. I want, like, an actual, like, trailer or something Oh, like yeah, we're, we're a long way from seeing mutants, buddy. I mean, I think I, I think they're committed to doing Fantastic Four first, and then the X-Men will be, like, the next big thing that they roll in. What? Which is smart Which, because Fantastic Four is the the main family, the the old like right. the the bedrock of Marvel right. from back in the which, day. Speaking of which, Emily Blunt just coming out saying, "Hey, I'm not going to play Sue Storm. I'm not a huge fan of superhero movies." Did you guys see that? No. I did, and, and I don't know if she was saying, "I'm not going to play Sue Storm." She just said, "Superhero movies aren't my thing." Which is, I don't know, if, like, which is fine. Which, which is, is fine. Yeah. Which just is fine. Rip my heart apart. I think that kind of like got rid of the idea of John Krasinski and her yeah. as uh, the Richards, yeah. essentially. Which is a bit of a downer because I thought they would be perfect casting. Yeah, but I mean, oh, this sure. kind of opens up Marvel to you know to look at maybe some unknowns, make a, you know look at some uh, you know people waiting in the wings. The next, the next, uh, what was it? Chris Hemsworth. I mean, because what did Chris Hemsworth do before mm-hmm. Thor? Nothing. Um, I'm sure he was in some haunting Connecticut. Was it? It was. It was. Uh, what was that horror movie that Joss Whedon did? Oh, you're talking about Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods. That came yeah, out wasn't bef- he in I think that? that came out before. I think that came out after Thor. Was it? Um, it did. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I can look yeah. it up. I don't know. Up. I just know he's legally obligated to be shirtless, even if he's in a fat I mean, suit. I thought the movie was going to be serious, and I didn't like it because it was a total joke. And I, I, and I was like, this is, what did I get myself into? But knowing that it's a total joke, um, it's actually not that bad of a movie, I guess. Yeah. And I'm super grateful that he is contractually obligated to be shirtless. That is a beautiful man. He looks like he is chiseled from marble. And he's probably... They came out the same year. And he's probably a lovely person to be around. He is probably a genuinely good person. So, if there's any... No, I won't finish that. I won't finish that because that's something you'll have to edit out later. And I'm going to be a well-behaved guest. (laughs) We appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, spe- thinking of Chris Hemsworth just made me think of that time Justice almost in, like barreled through a kid in order to see Chris Hemsworth. He almost stole tickets from a little girl. <laughs> they were free. No, 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 and no, no, it was no, no, like, no, you already no, no. got to see Norman Reedus. Back up. Like, fuck Back off. Up. Back up. I need full <laughs> context here, pal. Like, I was, okay. So it was Evan, one of our friends, Parker, Gary, and I were at a Comic-Con, Ace Comic-Con, which Ace is, so there's like two different Comic-Cons. There's like Wizard and then there's Ace. Wizard is like a flea market and then Ace has always got um, huge celebrities. So at this celebrity Comic-Con, there was Jake Gyllenhaal, Tom Holland, Norman Reedus, uh, Tessa Thompson, and then um, Chris Hemsworth. And I was standing in line while... Parker was sleeping. Evan might have left, and Gary, I think you were going around shopping for you know whatever, pan or books or whatever. I don't know, but I was standing in line because there was going to be a panel. It's going to be Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland. I thought that was going to be a lot of fun. So I'm standing in line, and this random guy with a suit comes out, and he goes, "I have a ticket to see to get a free picture with Crims Hemsworth," and everyone kind of like turns and looks, and I'm like, I kind of step out of the line. I'm like, 
is it worth anything? Like they have to pay for anything? He's like, no, nah, it's completely free. Whoever just comes up and grabs it. And I start to walk up and this little girl who just before starts talking to me, she's like, yeah, I just got a picture with Norman Reedus, runs up and snatches it. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Fine, little girl. <laughs> well, you neglect to tell the part where you looked the girl's mother in the eyes and said, I should have taken that from your kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she was like... <laughs> just nonchalantly looks a parent in the eyes. <laughs> she was just like, she was like, oh yeah, like we got to see this other actor actor too today and like got pictures of them. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, that's three people. Are you kidding me? And I was like, I should have taken that ticket from your kid. <laughs> and and the, the dad just like laughed and she was like kind of stunned that I said that. And then, yeah, so. You know, I, that's I would the, have been, the time I, almost, I would have been just as salty because you know what? That little girl's picture with Chris Hemsworth is just going to be a, it's going to be a nice Instagram photo with a cute caption. It'll be, it'll pop up in their Facebook memories every year. That opportunity for you, you could have been like, I was about to see what actual beauty looks like. I was about to see somebody who is good looking for absolutely no reason. I was about to see all of the injustice of the universe poured upon me. Like you missed out on something truly special. All that kid gets is a Facebook memory. And the worst part about it is that we didn't even get to go to the panel with freaking Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland because they were so behind Ugh. that, like, they they have, they were doing the Brie. They were so freaking late. Yeah. They were, like, three hours late. Wow. They were doing the Brie Larson one and the, the Brie Larson and Tessa Thompson one before, and, like, they had just, like, let people in for that one. And, and I looked at Gary and Parker, and I was like, we should go. Nice. We're not going to stay here till 1030 just to see these two guys. Yeah, yeah, I would have probably made the same call. Like one of my favorite panels I ever went to is it was a uh, Alamo City Comic Con down here. It was Dolph Lundgren and Carl Weathers. Ooh. I was in heaven. Um, first off, Dolph and Carl have aged gracefully in a way that I will never know. I am probably Fine going wine. to age like a rural Russian woman. Like I'm going to hit 42. And I look like the Crypt Keeper. Whoa, whoa. You're definitely uh, t- setting aside a huge part of our listen- listenership here. Okay? <laughs> Are you okay? guys huge? <laughs> we have a large demographic of unattractive Russian women who listen to our show, <laughs> and we love you all. You know what? Um, I will, we, I'm gonna, you I'm can be like a Russian this. doll where we pop you open, and you, you, know, you still look good on like, the next one. I'm, I'm going to solve this, Russian ladies. Um, I respect you. Because you're all ridiculously strong. You could shoulder check an ox about a yard away. Um, so congratulations for that. Like you're a hardy, tough people. You're like dwarves from Middle Earth in real life. You should take pride in that. Can, can we, I, I really quickly, Kev, I want to tell you, um, I, I want to make you feel jealous. But uh, Gary and I went to a Milwaukee Comic Con and... Uh, one, I got to meet Claudia Gray there, nice. but that was cool. But that's not, that's not, that's not, but the, uh, the panel that we went to that was amazing. It was Sean Austin and he was reading, like reading lines from Lord of the Rings as Samwise. Um, and that was, uh, one of the best experiences. Um, he we did, were both on the edge of tears. Okay. It he was did, wonderful. Okay. He did the whole scene where he like tells Frodo that he's going to pick him up and carry no, him and he's going to save him. Don't. And I'm like, I'm not emotionally ready to handle I'm this. I'm not going to weep on this podcast, okay? I'm not going to do it. Like, I, I, I have talked about heavy stuff on the internet before, but that is going to make me shed a tear. No, no, you get back in there. <sighs> okay, I hate you. And um, Justice, when I see you over the summer 
at uh, ScarifCon, I'm going to kick you in the nuts. Um, That's fine. I, I, I'll practice. I'm going to keep it at like a good, a gentleman's 60%. Okay. I'm not going to try to actually obliterate one of your nuts. Um, gentleman, mm. 60%. He has a good callus there anyway. <laughs> You're good. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, what the hell were we talking know, about? Dude. It was something I with Marvel should, or some we shit. Should just, I, think, I think it's a perfect time to switch into some Bad Batch before we end with a Star Wars comics. How about, what do you guys do think? Because I'm so yeah. sorry. Like, it, it's just like, it's a, it's a curse. Every time I come on somebody's show, it just devolves into tangential madness. Like, every time. I, I was on Luke's show uh, from Hoth Off the Presses, and, like, we were supposed to yes. be talking about something specific, and we started talking about, like, traffic signs in England. It was like, it was like okay, here's where we are now. Sorry. I feel really bad. He, like, reached out to us, and right when that hit is, like, when Gary started studying and my life fell apart. So, like, that I felt really bad because yeah, I was like, yeah, we could totally do a podcast with you. And then, like, we just never got back to There's There's, like, maybe, like, ten people where I was like, yeah, we should do something. And then, like... And we have a long list of us being half-assed, and we love you all. When yeah. we're very, very Dude, sorry. I feel <laughs> you on that one. I feel you on that one. We are so behind because just life, right? Like just life. My job is slowly trying to destroy my soul. Um, Brad has a kid now, and like I love her to death. She's adorable, but it's really getting hard not to call her Yoko. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, really quick question: Is there is there a specific insect that eats souls that I'm not aware All of? All of them in Texas, because Texas is uh, Australia light. Okay. Uh, we we have not only our regular bugs that are just around all the time, we have seasonal things, things that pop up just cause here and there, and it just it it turns into an absolute nightmare. And I end up like telling people the same thing over and over and over again until I have like 58 ruptured blood vessels in my eyes. Um, yeah, don't get into pest control. Go to college. Get an actual job. Be an accountant. Buy cryptocurrency or something. Like, do something smart. Okay, what were we talking about? Bad Batch. Bad Batch. Yes. Bad batch. Okay. Mando Light is what I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I texted you earlier this week, Justice, but um, I, first off, I, I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed Bad yeah. Batch. I think it's fun. Absolutely. But it gives me a big old studio exec involvement kind of mm-hmm. vibe because it seems like Disney's adopting this formulaic concept of you have to have a cute kid, a brooding older adult who takes it in as his adopted child, and that's how you make a Star Wars show. You know, like, I, I'm like, all right, this is a lot like Mando. He is that cute kid. He takes a cute kid in, and I'm like, oh, great. Now, Obi-Wan's going to be the same way. It's going to be cute little Luke Skywalker. He's going to be the guy watching over little Luke Skywalker, and it's just going to become more formulaic instead of something actually endearing. Yeah. Maybe that's just me being uh, being embittered to waiting for Disney to ruin things I love, <laughs> or I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got a point. You got a point because it's, it's definitely following um, – a specific set of premises. Um, but then like rebels was like that too. It's like this, the story of a young kid finds himself caught up in this band of rebels, you know? Um, and I, I think, I think there's probably a, a legitimate reason behind that to be like, okay, we have to, we have to not only get older star Wars fans. We also have to get their kids 
and what better way to get a kid roped into a show than a character that which with which they can identify with right and then that show then begins to mature with that audience um maybe that's the angle i mean the thing that that clicked with bad batch for me this is the moment that it clicked with me i was like man i'm enjoying this but i don't know why and then it hit me it's like oh it's the expendables that's what it is mm-hmm. it's the expendables in star wars with way better writing and a more intriguing premises that's it you know because they're, they're like they're this very much like they, they these these archetypal 1980s action hero figures right like hunter is obviously rambo um Wrecker is obviously like a mixture of Schwarzenegger and Jesse the Body Ventura. Um, Crosshair is, I, I don't know, uh, a, a dick. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of what character he reminds me of. Um, he's got the... Ha- he's kind of a Jason Statham vibe yeah. for me, which I know isn't the 80s thing, but gives me kind of yeah. that action hero got, vibe, which is still expendable. Yeah, he's got the hairline of Antonio Banderas, so... Um, Let's see. And, and then, you know, uh, Tech is obviously like, okay, Tech is the, the one of the bad guys from Die Hard, the dude that was also in Top Gun. And he was the guy that they hacked, like he had to hack all the Nakatomi computers. Like, that's Tech. Yeah, I know who you're talking exactly. about. He was yeah. also in Top Gun. He was like, uh, he, he, had, he did one flight with Matt. I can't remember his name. Why does everything go back to Top Gun with me? Oh, my God. Um, anyway. Uh, it's the shirtless volleyball, man. It stays Dude, in your head. that scene is so completely unnecessary to the plot, but you... Never seen it. You... Whoa, 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 what? You've never you've seen never it. never seen Top Gun? You've nope. never been in the danger zone? You've nope. never... Isn't Tom Cruise in it? You've... Is Tom Cruise in... Is Tom Cruise in it? Are you... If I could slap you through a webcam, <laughs> I would. <laughs> Like, oh my god, this is this is almost as bad as when Brad told me he had never watched Terminator One or Two. Oh god, I haven't seen those either. Don't do this to me, Justice. Don't do this to me right now. <laughs> you know what, dude? Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Right? Here's what we're gonna do. When I jump up, you're gonna come up early for ScareofCon, and then we're gonna hang out and watch a bunch. We're gonna of go movies. to my hotel, and we're gonna have an '80s movies marathon, man. You're getting it all. You're getting Top Gun. You're getting Terminator. You're getting Predator. You're getting Running Man. You're gonna get uh, what's another one? You know, what? I'll make you watch Red Sonja. Yeah, you're gonna do it. You're gonna watch Red Sonja, and you are gonna hate your existence, but you've earned it. I, I hate my existence every time I walk by the comic book shop, and I'm like, oh, why do they still make this? <laughs> Now, to be fair, Any, anyway, to be fair, Conan the Barbarian, masterpiece. Conan the Destroyer, oh yeah, eh. Red Sonja, oh my God, why? Oh, but I mean, the Conan comics are actually really yeah. good. Anyway, Bad Batch, yes, yes. really quick. The so, eighties archetypal tropes, like that was my hook into that show. Um, uh, when I when I view it through that lens, I'm like, oh my God, more, 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 more. Have you guys seen the most recent episode that came mm-hmm. out today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It got dark. Yes, it did. It got did. real dark. Yes, it did. Um, I still have like... Th- I love the dark and edginess to it all, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when it gets more into that real empire mm-hmm. stuff, I love mm-hmm. it. The, the thing about this show that I'm really liking is what are they doing to address what happened to the clones? Um, you know, how is, you know, Tarkin involved... I'm really liking that, and I'm I'm really liking, you know, it, it, the it, especially in the third episode, it kind of seemed like them introducing how Death Troopers came to be. Yeah. 
um you know and and it, and it's almost like they're getting their own character arc uh because you know i'm i'm sure these people didn't intentionally join the empire to just go out and mass murder people no. but at some point they become this 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 callous group of people that are known for doing that and i it feels like this episode is kind of like that their arc on how they they became this group this elite group known for that right right i mean i i like the tarkin angle too because you know, when you see Tarkin in the Clone Wars, he's Tarkin, but you always feel like there's something restraining him. Like there's just a, a code of conduct within the Republic that's just restraining him and keeping him kind of in line. And then you see him in the Bad Batch and it's like, nope, that's gone. Nope, you're, you're seeing Tarkin unchained and he is going to do Tarkin things. Um, it's it's a very natural progression when you see it that way. Uh, and I, I mean, I found, especially this episode, the way it culminates, it's like, hmm? yeah. Yeah, that's Tarkin. That's Tarkin. Well, spoilers here, but we have to talk about the what in my mind was the most intense moment of when the so Crosshairs is on that mission mm-hmm. with the other stormtroopers, and it comes down to them deciding to him saying you have to kill these civilians to finish the mission, and in a inherently children's cartoon, they murder innocent civilians, yep. and you're I'm. At that moment, I'm realizing, shoot, this is going to explore kind of more of that Nazi mind study of, okay, what happens to declining of human morality under a regime like the Empire? You know, like they're exploring those kind of intense concepts in a kid's show, which is why I love it. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's funny because kids these days are actually probably aware of a lot more than we give them credit for. Um, children growing up now, exactly no, you're not wrong children growing up now have unfettered access to any bit of information they could possibly want and it's it's improbable to think that kids haven't stumbled across stuff like this before that this show might give them that that baseline ethical understanding of like nope that's bad right and it's it's a small way, but entertainment does have a way of influencing societal behaviors because at the at the core of it, it tends to um, appeal to the best in us, right? And in order to appeal to the best in us, sometimes you have to see the worst in us. Um, so I mean, I think that I think that kids are a little a lot more capable of handling stuff like this than say maybe my generation would have been. You know, we we had Power Rangers and they fought a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean I'd agree with you at the very least it's good to explore yeah. and in a way that doesn't that doesn't make it black and white which I love like they still have the Bad Batch loving crosshair and being a tragic character even though he's essentially now a murderer mm-hmm. you know they're showing the nuance in this like if they're doing studies on Nazi soldiers showing the nuance of, Hey, these were just young men too, who then were brainwashed into doing terrible things. And you know, like the, the, the Nazis, I mean, if you go back to pre Nazi Germany, world war one during the, uh, the German empire, Germans as a people believed in collective punishment. That was just part of their culture. So when the Imperial German army invaded Belgium and they started these retaliations on these entire towns for snipers that was very much in line with just who German people were um, at that time they they believed in collective punishment so that society was kind of already primed for that 
that um, loss of all ethical or moral um, constraints on behavior. You know, it was primed for that. And you could make the case that the galaxy writ large is kind of primed for that too because it's been in a state of war for about three years. And the entire subject, like, I mean, any system that it had battles fought on it have been exposed to atrocities and, you know, they have now seen the ugliest side of life. So you can make the case that, you know, that, that might have been a part of what led to these people in the Empire saying, like, well, this is what I have to do to survive. Well, we even kind of get that in the episode where they're all sitting there while Tarkin's watching them creepily, and one of them says, you know, the Republic never gave me... You know, like the Empire offers me food, mm-hmm. shelter, pay. That's something the Republic can never offer. And so, like, you know, to some people, they, they're joining the Empire because it gives them a better opportunity. Yeah. Unfortunately. Absolutely. Um, And I'm also really curious about... So, like, there's a couple things that I'm interested to see if they tackle... If they keep on mentioning that Omega understands this whole chip thing, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering one, what is Omega's like bigger picture in this whole story, right. and then two, are we going to see them go out and start helping clones and take out these chips so that there's, you know, because you know in Rebels we have like what those five clones, you know Rex and a couple other Gregory ones that are just Wolf, like yeah. hanging out, and I'm wondering if like we get to start seeing them like go and you know, start performing these surgeries so that the, they get the chips out of these clones and there's more people, you know, helping with the rebellion. I think you might Who be knows? onto something because, you know, in this latest episode, you know, Wrecker bumps his head, right? And then the, the rest of the show, he's, he's complaining about his head hurting, right? They all have the inhibitor chip, mm. right? It was only crosshair that it really, it clicked with him. Um, yeah, so I think that you might be onto something there. It's... They're not done discussing these inhibitor chips and, and, and the impact they could have. When his se- when he kept saying that his head was hurting, I was like, no, please don't make right. Wrecker turn two. Like, I was getting that dread mm-hmm. feeling, like, just hoping that he wouldn't go the same way. No, and I don't think he will, honestly. I don't think he will because Wrecker's got that, like, oh, the lack of a better term, himbo energy, you know? He's almost too innocent, to, to go that way mm-hmm. if if his inhibitor chip is is messing up i'm willing to bet that he has like a life-threatening episode like someone has to save his life and it's probably omega which would break mm-hmm. my heart because he just built her a room yeah prediction guys i think omega or omega as she likes to say it in the show i think that her she is their attempt to make a clone that is force sensitive that's my theory because she seems very intuitive to people's emotions. Mm-hmm. She was kind of intuitive to that animal. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what her power is. I agree. Is. I agree entirely. I saw I saw someone saying that it's a, this is a phasma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she oh, is like, rocking uh... that Brienne of Tarth haircut, man. <laughs> no, but I think you're, I think oh, you're absolutely man. right. I, I hope not. I think you're absolutely right. I think I think it is the Kaminoans first pass at a Force-sensitive clone. Um which would be so cool. Yeah, I mean, of course, because it's, I mean, obviously, it ends up there. They they pull that off. Like, Palpatine has a body ready for his essence, right? Like, he's, they pulled it off at some point. So, it's, I don't think it's any, it's no accident that, you know, we get Grogu, and now we've got Omega. You know, clearly with Grogu, they were trying to get his genetic material. They were trying to either clone a member of Yoda's species to have a force sensitive, powerful little gremlin that they could control, or it was 
having something to do with Palpatine's project. I mean, they're obviously pointing it in that direction. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. You guys got any more uh, thoughts on the Bad Batch before we move over to uh, comics? I love this show. And if they if they really want to catch me for good, throw some Kenny Loggins in there. Give me some Danger Zone. Maybe a volleyball scene with Wrecker and Hunter and Tech, and they, they have playing with the boys in the background. I mean... No echo? You're not going to look for some, like, nuts and bolts nipples I mean, out of the yes, guy? Yes, absolutely yes, but you don't necessarily <laughs> want echo playing volleyball with the data spike arm. I mean... It's kind of a hindrance to your team. I don't know if that's ableist, but... Uh. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I got dark there. I mean, he could, like, not pop it, <laughs> trying to hit it. Speaking of something, I'll make you pop it. We're going on to one of our favorite segments. The greatest segment in the history of segments. The most inspiring part of this podcast comic of the week i'm not putting in the jingle but (laughs) (laughs) no no man no no No, i got things to do um i don't know like one like i so i I have a comic sitting in front of me i've already shown the guys but i kind of just want to like talk about like star wars comics in general like what's going on on me dude because because if you what if Bad Batch isn't tickling your fancy or it's not tickling it enough, then you should definitely be checking out the Star Wars comics. Yeah. There is a lot and it's met over multiple, you know, years and different, you know, plot lines and whatnot. Um, the ones that I really want to focus on though are the most recent, you know, huge Star Wars event comics that's going on. And then the Darth Vader and, um, the main Star Wars title, which kind of leads into the event. So the event is the War of Bounty Hunters. It's got a cool Boba Fett on there, Sick. the front. It's written by Charles Soule, guys. We've talked oh, about Charles. You know, he's love his stuff. Yeah, he's he's, he's amazing. A great writer, um, phenomenal, and his books are actually good yeah. too. But but um, so. What's, first, I want to talk about Darth Vader really quick before I hop into what's going on with the War of Bounty Please Hunters. Please do. This is great because I don't get a chance to catch up on these comics, so it's like I'm hearing it for the first time. I am enthralled already. Tell me a story, Daddy. S- All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if if you are into like if you if if you're into you know wanting more answers in the sequel trilogy, you need to be reading the current Star Wars run, and you need to be current the current Darth Vader run. Written by Greg Peck, the Star Wars runs written by Charles. Um, so honestly, what's going on? You know the you know the um and the sequel trilogy, the the very the, like the the knife that mm-hmm. Bray has to mm-hmm. use to find whatever yeah, yeah. the as the assassin is an introduced in this Darth Vader series, and him and Darth Vader are fighting. That's been kind of what's going on at the moment, and Palpatine kind of took him back to Mustafar and was like. You can't use the force to defeat any of these people. I want to see if you're still worthy of being my apprentice. And Vader gets really pissed off about it. And he kind of gets, you know, the shit kicked out of him. And he has to, like, rebuild himself. And he's got, like, a a B2 battle droid as one of his arms. Um, And, like, that's kind of cool seeing, like, a B2 battle droid hold a red lightsaber. Just saying. Anyway, uh, it gets to the point, though, where Darth Vader finds a 
wavefinder and he's like where the hell are, like we're, go- we're going he like takes the assassin um i'm, I'm blanking on OG his name but basically takes the yeah yeah he takes he takes him ochi abistoon with him and they go to exegol sick and b- before they get to exegol though he has to fight like this huge it's almost like the maw you know and, like in the uh, um rogue or han solo where they have yeah. to like get the huge octopus thing there's like one there in darth vader like when when they like confront it he's like the the maw kind of is like i got powers that makes you high and no one survives them and darth vader's like bring <laughs> it and and there's like just like pages <laughs> pages of them being high on the dark side and darth vader's like relishing it and the og bastoon's kind of like this is awful oh, and, and, had a bad trip. and it gets to the point where darth vader like essentially like gets on top of the squid and mind controls him and turns around and like there is palpatine's base on exegol and darth vader's like i'm gonna kill palpatine and so this most recent comic palpatine's kind of like oh cool like you're still alive i didn't think you could do it you you know are you like sure you really you know you want to be my apprentice like do you still have what it takes and so darth vader like tries to kill him with this huge squid thing and palpatine's like i've had plans and plans bro like i i am beyond your concept of thinking and has like these two huge monsters pop out of exegol to like kill the squid and the and so then darth vader you know falls down and, and palpatine kind of is like does those things where he's like you know the, the villain like runs away yeah. but like as he's like like he's still talking and, and you know you can hear them but they're nowhere near like right. the darth, like a disembodied darth voice so yeah, so that's what's going on, and Darth Vader's like walking through this, you know, basically where Kylo Ren was walking through in, in, in Rise of Skywalker, and in there you see you see Luke's hand cut, you see other, um, like Luke's hand is like in a jar, right. it's really cool, and then you see, because uh, this is post episode five, this comic takes place, and then you see like a, um, a couple Snokes, and all this in this comic, and, and basically Palpatine the whole time is like, I have had this planned out for years. You have nothing on me. And he sends, you know, those like, you know, in the Rise of Skywalker, there's all those Sith Lords yeah, that are Sith singing Eternal. while he sends them to kill Vader. So there's like hundreds of them and Vader, like they like throw these knives and Vader like stops them and like force them back. And they all like get stabbed and killed. And he just like panel after panel is killing these guys. So cool. And it's, it is. And, and finally it gets to the point where like, um, Vader is like, I've sensed something that's so evil. I have no idea what it is. And he gets there and there's the fleet of all the ships that we see in Rise of the Skywalker. Po- in, in Empire, before Return of the Jedi, Palpatine had this already. Had them. All the ships made. Everything made. And and the thing that Vader can sense is this kyber crystal that is huge. And is just sitting in the uh like in this cave and and palpatine is constantly like pouring evil into it and the the like the the fear the the evilness that vader's feeling is the pain of this massive kyber crystal that's going to power the entire Sidious fleet is just bleeding a kyber crystal constantly like I, i'm talking Dude. like mountain huge kyber crystal like two stories tall kyber crystal that he's just bleeding dude 
That's like incredible. The, oh my god, whoever's like running the Star Wars comics, they're just they, they must be having the time of their lives right now. They're like, "No, get weirder. Do it weirder." Like it's so cool. Right. So, that leads us to like every, like the this so Jason Aaron's run, kind of like the 2014 mm-hmm. run was all 4 to 5. That's what they're answering the questions between 4 and 5. All the Star Wars comics right now is answering all the questions between five and six. Nice. So the big thing, the War of Bounty Hunters, what's going on is how did Boba Fett get Han Solo to Jabba? And that's what the whole War of Bounty Hunters is. Um, essentially, what's going on in this comic is the carbonite that's on on Han Solo isn't actually stable, and it's kind of materializing. So you know, Han Solo is going to get free. So in this comic, Jango, uh, sorry, he calls himself Django, but Boba has to figure out how he's going to, um, you know, keep him keep him frozen. So he ends up on this planet where this guy had like understands those mach- the carbonite machines, mm-hmm. and in trade, Boba enters into a f- fighting competition so this guy can fix it so that Han Solo doesn't like. F- Thought. Right. Hmm. So that's that's what this comic is about. So most of it is Boba entering the competition, changing his his suit so he doesn't look like uh, himself to like this bluish color that looks like Django, and he enters himself in as Django oh. into the com hmm. and and uh, into the champ the, the competition. Oh. And and it's like it's like panels of just him murdering dudes. Oh. And till, till he gets to the till he gets to the final one where he it's like this spider thing. It's kind of like Gary and Naruto, you know, like the the one guy who's got like the the spider uh, um, when they they steal Sasuke and they go away. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, kind of looks spider like spider guy with the big ass arrow. Yeah, yeah. kind of looks like uh, him, but like a female and like it like so again, Boba Django in this this story, you know, wrecks them all, and um, at the very end of the comic. Um, the guy who was working on the carbonate machine is murdered and a group of uh, bounty hunters take off with it. And so that is the beginning of the war of bounty hunters. Oh, man. Hmm. Okay, so maybe you can answer this for me. I've seen panels from this run. Luke has a yellow lightsaber. How? how? Yes. So, in I think it's Star Wars comic six, um, Luke goes on a mission to a Jedi temple Mm -hmm. And he ends up, um, cause he, that's when he gets his, like, he gets his hand cut off. He's like trying to figure out what to do. He finds another Jedi temple and he fights the force ghost of, um, holy crap. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Who's the guy that like goes after, uh, um, Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. Grand Inquisitor. <gasps> he fights the force, a fiery force ghost of the Grand Inquisitor for this yellow what? lightsaber. Yeah. So that's oh. what he does. And it's, Again, beautiful coloring, beautiful panels. It, that that's a cool, cool. Run. And guys, it's it's only on the twelfth issue. You can totally pick them up. It, like do what Gary does: go to the library, become a trade whore, and just buy the trades or read the <laughs> trades. And <laughs> and don't be like me and spend a bunch of money buying single issues. Oh, but go and read man. it. Because like, all right, the yellow lightsaber thing. I'm gonna fixate on this for a minute because I have a special place in my heart for yellow lightsabers. Um, if you, anyone remembers Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, um, it's an old PC uh, yeah. game, right? There's a Doom-style one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And yeah. then there's a, a point in which, like, there's no Sith, but they're dark Jedi, and one of them is a young guy that's got a yellow lightsaber, and it's, you're playing as Kyle Katarn. Uh, you lose your, your, your daddy's lightsaber, and you end up killing this young, or this young, young guy ends up getting killed, and you take his lightsaber, and it's yellow. And ever since then, I was like, man, that's awesome. Yellow lightsabers are sick. Um, so to see them now in canon more is just like, yes, yes, yes. I'm all for well, it. Well, you, you know that um, there's like an old 70s or 80s action figure where Luke has a yellow lightsaber. Yeah. And so Charles wanted to make that canon, and that's why it, that is what and, it is. And I think that I think it's so cool that he yeah, did that. Yeah, of course. And like you have the perfect vehicle for it with the Temple Guard lightsaber. I mean, perfect. You know, and I like the I like yeah. the allegory too. I mean, Luke carrying the lightsaber of a Jedi Temple Guard. He is literally the guardian of the last of the Jedi. I didn't even think about that. That is really that, that that's super yeah. cool. I mean, it's 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 super sick. Yeah. So I mean, again, guys, the I probably am not doing any justice describing some of these comics, but what is happening is not only is they expanding the Star Wars lore, which I think is comics are perfect for. Mm-hmm. But they are perfectly addressing questions that people have that I honestly kind of think make the sequel trilogy better that they're talking about this stuff now. Right. I know that's kind of might be a hot take and like the sequel trilogy is not my favorite thing. But like now that they're answering some of these questions, I'm like, that's really freaking cool. Right. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things that makes Star Wars really unique is that there are multiple mediums for them telling the same story. Right, like they're telling one large continuous story, but they're using several several different mediums to kind of fill in those gaps. And comics is actually a really smart idea to do these big event things because you don't have to truncate it into a two hour movie, you don't have to uh, condense it into like say a thirty minute episode of Mandalorian. You can really stretch this out over multiple issues and tell a very effective, hard hitting story. Um, I always go back to the one of the first run of Darth Vader comics when Vader finds out the name of the guy who blew up the Death Star, finds out it's, his name is Skywalker. And you just get that one panel mm. of the busted Star Destroyer viewport. And you just, you get that, that, that sense of rage from it. That, that sticks with me. And it's a comic book panel. It's a comic book panel. I am old enough to remember when comics were looked down on, like as a lesser form of, of media. You know, now it's so awesome to see them tackling things that significant that that run also has the same famous line where uh darth vader says all i can smell is dead men and, or fear and dead yes. men and it's just like him holding the lightsaber and i'm like ah, that line she's gonna tattoo that on me. panel <laughs> needs to be like yeah spray painted on the side of someone's van <laughs> i also appreciate justice that you put in our token naruto reference in the middle of an episode <laughs> Either we tell people to go listen to an episode previously that we recorded, or we talk about Naruto. So we gotta get we checked both of That's those. Funny that we got both of them out of the way. That's funny that you bring that up because I literally almost ran over someone who was doing a Naruto run in front of my truck today. Like I, I kid you <laughs> not, I was driving on an apartment complex, and I'm just like, I don't, I'm not speeding on those complexes by any means. I'm not a savage, but. I was driving along and do to do to do, and then I just see a small body Naruto run out from one car across the street, and I had to slam on my brakes like like Joe Pesci in Home Alone. But the fact that this kid was ballsy enough not only to run out into an open street without looking, that kid had the balls to Naruto run. 
He was so confident in his ability to survive, he pulled off that maneuver. <laughs> well, he was more aerodynamic with the arms behind him. I have, so he could be confident in his speed. I have to give it to him. I mean, that is a, that is a level of precision <laughs> that I am not capable of. I'm actually glad I didn't, you know, turn him into a smoosh on the ground. You couldn't if you wanted to. <laughs> he, he was too quick. Like a, like a gazelle. But the, the Star Wars comics do sound like they're doing good stuff. I know we've talked about this too a lot, but I like to think of the expanding that comics and the books do as a real positive for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of fans who think of that as a negative and want the movies themselves to be all-encompassing, but the universe is so big, and I see that as such a huge positive that you gain more by looking at this other form of media, Mm -hmm. that you can look to the books, you can look to the comics, you can look to the games and gain so much more, and that they're not hindered by the fact that the movies, the TV shows have to be universal appeal. Right. You know, like the comics can be just there for those who are willing to look into the random intricacies. Right. Exactly. Well, that's and that's why I like comics so much more because I like when when it comes to movies, when it comes to TV shows, there's so many hands touching it and there's so much money going involved that it has to be this certain way so they can make their money back. And comics is such a more intimate thing. It's the editor, it's the artist, it's the writer, and it's, you know, the letter and maybe another person. And it's them just telling the story that they want to tell. There there's no head honcho coming over and be like no you need to tell this story it's like it's it's just you let the creators you know breathe and you let them get to tell the story that they want to tell and that's why that's why you have so many tv shows and movies coming out of days where people don't even know they were previously comics because that's because they let these people be creative and create these awesome stories and i think that's why i'm for the day i die comics is one of the best mediums to tell a story i would agree i would agree entirely and you know if you're if you're looking for Star Wars to be all encompassing in a film, you're in the wrong franchise. Like you go back to mm-hmm. a you go back to a New Hope. There's so many references to things that happened in the past in that movie that there's no other threads pulled. You hear the Clone Wars and you're like, oh, that's just the name of a war. There's no other further context. You fought in the Clone Wars. That's it. You know, Star Wars has been doing that since day one. Dropping little references and things that you don't know if they're going to pull on that thread later. And then now what they've done is just turn that into an ability to sell multiple types of media. Like you can have the Rise of Skywalker. Like, oh yeah, Palpatine was a clone. Well, how does he get to a clone? I don't know. Maybe buy this book and find out, sucker. You know? Like, it. <laughs> it's, it's genius when you think about it. True. Just more people need to um, and read the comics. So it's the industry doesn't die. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, please, I, I think comics as an industry is, it's going to be around for a good long while. It, it survived the nineties. It survived every dip, every, every slump in that industry. And it's now existing within a bubble of like this massive media conglomerate of superhero stuff. Like, I mean, it's, we've been inundated with it since, if you really wanted to go way back, it's like like 97, you know, it's been steadily building up and you could, you could argue around 2008 with the MCU launch. Now it's literally a major part of the cultural zeitgeist, you know, and to think that this major film stuff hasn't filtered people into the, the comic book medium 
it's ludicrous. Now, I don't envy anybody finding comics for the first time right now. Have fun. Figure that one out. Figure out which issue you need to buy to understand this issue. Like, best of luck, pal. Um, you're, you are my, Justice is my consultant. I'm going to, he's, he's my consultant. I pay him a monthly stipend and he, he tells me, Hey, you know, this is the issue you need to read. He's kind of an entrepreneur, you know, he's, he's got a little Mark Cuban in him. But speaking of, um, I'm confused and don't know what, uh, (laughs) what, uh, what comics to read and whatnot. Gary and I are, uh, thinking of, uh, adventuring into, uh, unknown idea where, um, we we start a uh, we start a a podcast where we just kind of um, we take this we take this concept of like it's very hard, you know, to find the right comic to read, and we're gonna help you find the comic so that you can start enjoying that that form of medium. Um, it's new. It's it's it hasn't gone off the ground yet. Um, but be looking Dude. for that. It's gonna it might you know come out maybe next year. But um, I definitely think there's a a gap in a. Hey man, I I wanna I wanna check out this this new thing. Dude, I love it. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I need help. So we, we want to be that. Dude, help. I love that idea. I love that idea. That's pure genius. That is pure genius. We're we're looking forward to getting that off the ground. The only problem is the only names I can think of create acronyms that are grossly inappropriate. Like once I got up to Comics Uniting Media, and I'm like, yeah, we get us to C U M as our acronym. <laughs> it, it, and from there, it devolved, and we're like, nah, that that can't happen. Yes, no, go back with that idea. It's perfect. And like never We'd acknowledge sell it. so many T-shirts never though. Never acknowledge it. Never acknowledge the fact that, like, you totally intended to do that, but it's just a happy accident. Like, never yeah. acknowledge that. It, it, like, like, yes, because that... And be like, play ignorant to it. Like, oh, is that what it says? I had no idea. No idea. <laughs> our slogan could be, come to our podcast. Yes! Yes! There's always a happy ending. Yes! Oh, my God! Yes! Science! Help me, Yes! Like, okay, I am a fierce advocate for people getting as weird as they want. So this this idea, it fills me with, with very specific feelings of joy and something else that I won't mention here because that's not appropriate. <laughs> but I'm I'll please do this. I will be your number one fan. I will wear I will model <laughs> merchandise for you. In fact, yes, I'm gonna do this. I'm going to do this. Present me with a contract and I will model speedos. Um, Ooh. Mesh shirts, preferably. Mm, I think mesh mm. is the way to go because I want to show off the fact like, hey, you know, I look pretty good, but like there's also a lot of loose skin under here and you're not going to see, you're going to see that too. Like, I, I, you know, I think mesh shirts are, are a, a bold fashion statement. Well, according to the internet, uh, men are taking back crop top, uh, crop tops. Can so, confirm. Um, mm. I guess that's a thing. Can confirm. Can confirm. It's very big in the powerlifting community for men to wear crop tops now. Especially, like, the more out of shape they are, the more they revel in it. It's lovely. Maybe I should buy some crop yes, tops. Yes, dude. <laughs> yes, dude. Do you have any idea how liberated you're going to feel? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I love the, I love the spins this is taking. I love the spins this is taking. I'm going to, you know what? I'm gonna, we're going to do that. We're going to go shopping when I go to Chicago, man. I'm going to get a mesh shirt. You're going to get a crop top and we're going to show up to Scarecon like the sharpest looking dudes there. We, they're going to be playing ZZ Top when we walk in through the door. I'm pretty sure um, Roe and 
um, JTA podcast with uh, Rob is going to just is going to just kick no, us out. No, you know what? Here's why we're going to do this. Here's why we're going to do this because there's a, there's going to be a bona fide actor there, and it is now my mission to make him severely uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know. I'm about doing that, it. But I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna walk up to him like every two minutes, like I've never met him before. I'm like, oh hey man, how's it hanging? Two minutes later, oh hey man, how's it hanging? I'm just gonna do that all day. I do that. I like to passive aggressively like call people the wrong name, <laughs> like going up to Justice and be like, "What's up, Joe?" <laughs> and he'll be like, "What? what? It, it, it's a J, but okay, uh, yes. yeah, yeah, what, whatever, yes. whatever." Yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm really bad at remembering people's names. So that's gonna happen anyway. I already kind of do that. But there's this guy in college who I was friends with his now wife. But anytime I met him, I always asked him what his major was. And it got to the point where he'd be like, we've done this a hundred times, Justice. I am this major. And I'm like, dude, like your major is something that like, I'm not going to remember because I really don't give you a fuck. You should have turned that around on him. Like the minute that he lost it on you, the minute that he lost it, he's like, well, you know what? That's fine, man. I know what your major is. You're a major asshole. And then just walked away. <laughs> uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. That's so great. <laughs> I know. Well, guys, this has been Pod Wars. Has it been definitely though? one of the one of the uh, maybe more fun episodes for us? Maybe not for you guys, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, check us out. Uh, you know, we're we're probably not going to be on Twitter. That just let's just be honest. You know, that's not, that's not our thing. But um, you know, we're we're we'll be posting episodes. You'll you'll find us, Kev. Where, where can the the lovely fans find um, you? Okay, first off, you guys. The, the audience out there, yes. Pod Wars, they're not terribly active on Twitter, but they're killing it over at MySpace. I mean, they're huge. Every, they're next mm. to Tom in everyone's profile. Like, you have no idea. Um, <laughs> you know how cool that would be, though? Dude, I, I loved MySpace. When I, was in a, when I was in a band in high school, MySpace was the best platform. The best platform. Because you could put your crappy demos up there, and people had to listen to your playlist. And, like, you know, I, I'll say it. MySpace was the superior social media platform, and that's my crotchety old man moment for the day. Um, anyway, I was trying to tell people where they could find our crappy podcast. Uh, it, it, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've probably already found ours. Um, if not, it's on any platform that you're using. Like If you're on Spotify, just search, search the Forest Losers podcast. You're going to regret it immediately, but... I mean, you've done it. You already, you've already committed yourself to the search. You might as well commit yourself to like five minutes of listening. It's about all you're going to be able to get through. Um, I'm on Twitter at force underscore losers because I don't want to create my own personal profile. I'm lazy. Um, we're on everything. YouTube. I mean, we've got like two subscribers there. It's kind of cool. You can find us there. Force Losers Podcast. YouTube. I'm bad at promoting my crap, aren't I? I think it's a brand, though. Like, you just, like, shitting on yourself so that other people don't have to shit Thank on you. Thank you for telling me that my lack of self-confidence is a branding idea. <laughs> anyway, we're Podwars. Thank you for checking us out. Um, and if you made it this long, congrats. And um, have a great week. Thanks, guys.